Ephesians chapter 3, the reason we're asking you to get involved with us is we believe that we pray to the one who is able to do infinitely more than we even know to ask or can imagine according to what? According to the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave. That's who we're praying to. That's who he is. Last week, we talked about living life from God's perspective, that God owns everything, right? Amen. Yes. Say it again, because only about three owns people. everything, right? If we truly there. believe that. But he has entrusted what he has given us to steward. Yeah. But y'all, it's so hard because this is the area that we find the most fulfillment. That we find, that me, me's find the most security in, okay? This is hard. It is challenging. It is something that God has truly had to strip me, okay? And we're going to go more into that of what that looked like for us, for me. But if we truly believe that we are children of God, that we are heirs to Jesus, that we have complete access that, that Jesus does to everything that he's inherited, then we shouldn't be afraid of next month, next month's bills, how he's gonna provide. We trust and believe that he's going to do it. Most of your children, if you have children or grandchildren, they weren't worried if the bills were gonna be paid last week. They weren't worried about if they were going to eat, why? Because they trust you. They trust that you're going to take care of them. They trust that you're going to fulfill all their needs. And that is the kind of trust that God wants us to see in him. You forgot to tell him how much more generous I am than you. <laughs> she left that out in first service. <laughs> no, it, it really is true, though. When I say that, it's challenging for me because he's the generous one. He, he wants to just give it all and has no filter me i'm the e -e 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 -e, i don't want to so we balance one another out in your relationships there's probably a giver and there's probably a saver right i like to call myself the saver not stingy i'm, I'm a saver that's what and, it is. and let's just be honest i really don't have much of a filter in a lot of areas in my life so it's not surprising that, that carries over and honestly it's really not because i'm extremely generous it's because i read in the bible that the lord said hey Test me in this. And I'm like, as the young people would say, bet. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. I, I accept your challenge. <laughs> you can't outgive God. Bet. <laughs> That's just, it's natural. And some of you have that naturally. And, and then some of you have to learn that. And, and most of the time, you're married to that person that is not like you. And then sometimes you're both that way. And sometimes neither one of you are. That's why God makes it personal. Why, why are we willing to stretch our faith? Well, we're willing to stretch our faith because we want to grow in our faith. Why are we willing to stretch our faith? And why are we willing to stretch ourselves financially? Because we want to grow closer to God in that area, not just grow in our finances. Let me never give to get. 
But always know that you can't outgive the one who already owns everything. All you can do is be obedient with what he's given you. So we're willing to stretch ourselves in this area because we want to grow closer to God. Amen? Amen? Amen means let it be. All you're doing is agreeing with me. When you say it's not super spiritual, it's actually just yes, we do. And we want to, we want to win as many people as possible. And, and my heart is to never be satisfied with how big we build the kingdom of God in this community and the surrounding area. I want the kingdom of God to be more influential than any politician, policy, or other agenda that is promoted. And until it is, I will stretch and God help us grow. Hey, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles or in your book even to John chapter 10. The Bible's not in your book. Maybe you want to scroll there, but page 60 in your notes. Um, last week we talked about Matthew chapter 25. If you missed that message, it's on our YouTube channel. Also, I want to invite you to go check out our um, website, unischurch.com slash more. If you want to learn more about what we're doing and how to get involved, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we want you to be informed. We, we don't want you to do anything out of compulsion. We want you to do it because you're obeying the voice of God. You're hearing the voice of God. And today, we want to talk about hearing the voice of God. Here's why. Because in order to build the kingdom of God, we have to invest in it, right? Okay, because everything costs something. And in order to build the kingdom, and we would all say, hey, I believe in the kingdom, right? We all believe in the kingdom of or most of us in the room. Uh, we don't have, I don't, I'm not saying I don't have some people that doubt, or maybe you're standing in the line, and maybe you've even had some concerns, atheism, agnostic, or whatever. But for the most part, we're like, yeah, we believe in the kingdom of God. Here's the problem. We don't, in, we don't invest the way we say we believe. And by we, I mean we, like as a church, there's, there's not a good percentage of those who say they believe and those who are really investing. And I'm not trying to, to condemn you. I'm revealing something you, to you because I've been convicted in this area and I grew in my relationship with God when I learned to trust him that way. So if we're gonna build the kingdom, we have to invest in the kingdom. If we're going to invest, we wanna know we heard from God. Yeah. You gotta learn how to hear from him. And we're gonna practice that tonight, corporately. So we want you to prioritize worship and prayer tonight at six o'clock. We wanna bring out chairs. We want every one of you there and we are going to combine our faith with one another and practice hearing God's voice. There are times when you must hear God's voice to know his will for your life. That's number one. That's in your notes. I'm gonna say it again. There are times when you must hear God's voice to know his will for your life. God's not trying to keep things from you. Yeah. He's not. Most of the time, he's just waiting for you to hush and let him speak. <laughs> Most of the time. Because what we do is we say, Lord, let me tell you what I need you to do. And I need it <laughs> on my time. And I want this, this, and this. And let me tell you the will for my life. Because this is how I want it. That's usually what we do and how we go to God. But really, he's waiting for us to ask him. He's waiting for us to get comfortable hearing his voice. God is, and this is in your notes as well, God is a communicator. 
Uh, how did God create the universe, right? Everything came from nothing. That's science. Everything had a beginning, a design, a designer. The way that God created the universe was that he spoke. He communicated. And creation obeyed whenever he spoke it into existence. Jesus told his disciples, I have made known to you the secrets to the kingdom of heaven. He said in another place, I call you friend. Come on, that's why Israel Houghton say, I am a friend of God. Hey, Pastor Weston, thanks for acting like you didn't know how to sing that song. That was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but Jesus said, I call you friend. I don't call you slave because a slave doesn't know his master's business. I call you friend because I have taught you everything that the Father has shown me. I'm not trying to keep anything from you. Let's keep going. John chapter 10 this is why it's so important that you learn how to hear the voice of God. Because we've become way too satisfied with just hearing what God is telling other people. I call it the preach and seat setting. We've been just way too comfortable. I'm not saying there's not, there is a place for this. I'm even gonna talk about that at some point. There's a place for hearing from somebody else who takes more time and, and is, does this vocationally for a living. Like, I get that. But we have become so satisfied with hearing what God is telling somebody else that we're not hearing from God on our own. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 14, hey, I'm the good shepherd. Remember, David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He understood a little bit about shepherding. And Jesus came in and said, oh, I'm not just your shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Then he goes on, I know my sheep. Well, why didn't God do for me? Because he knows you. Why is God asking me to do this and them to do it? Because he knows you. Same reason I asked Gabriel to do one thing and Adeline to do another. I know them. They are not the same. And she gets so frustrated. Why don't you ask him to do it? Why don't you hush and do what I say? <laughs> Because I know you both. I know what you can, what you need. I know what he can, what he needs. And Jesus said, I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. We have a relationship, not, not through another man. Yeah. Not through an idol, not through a trinket, not through a statue. I got to keep going. My sheep, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. They don't just listen to what I tell somebody else. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They follow me. They don't follow a preacher. They don't follow an evangelist. They listen to them. That's part of their journey. It's a supplement. Yeah. But they follow Jesus. Hey, stop trying to fix you and follow Jesus. Stop trying to change yourself and let him transform you. Because then he says, when you follow me, I give you eternal life, verse 28, and they will never perish. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. This is a promise from Jesus that when you're in a relationship with him, when you're seeking him, that you're going to hear his voice. Yeah. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a, a communication with you. When me and Chris first met, the first time he called, I didn't really recognize his voice. He had to tell me who he was. 
Just for the, yeah, because you, you said it differently this time. The truth is, she called me first. <laughs> yeah, and she had a boyfriend and asked me if I wanted that. to go to the movies. La, 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 la. Well, that's because you're, mi- yeah. I'm just saying, hey, listen, guys, let me help you out. A girl calls you that has a boyfriend and want to go to the movies. You say, you still got a boyfriend? She says, yeah. Said, call me when you don't have one. Hang up. Ta-da! <laughs> right, I should just, say he knew how to play the game. <laughs> I and I broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, when he first called, at whatever point that was, um, he had to tell me who he was. I didn't recognize his voice. But 18 years later, he doesn't call and say, hey, babe, this is Chris, your husband. That would be weird, right? No, I know his voice. I'm comfortable with his voice. If he calls my name from across the room and I can't see him, I know that it's him. And so the more that you grow in your relationship with God, the more confident that you're going to become at hearing his voice. It's still mine. I'm still talking. Okay. Lost my spot. So we have to practice this. We're teaching our kids how to practice this. And so... I have, I said, I do not want my kids to be like me, where I didn't learn how to hear God's voice until I was much older, till I was an adult. And so we are teaching our kids how to practice. We come together, we pray, and then we say, okay, now it's time for us to give God the chance to speak. So this is how I teach them. If you hear a worship song, if you hear a song in your mind, if you close your eyes and you see somebody's face, maybe you need to pray for them. Maybe just somebody gets laid on your heart, their name, you need to call them. If you hear a word, one time I heard a, a word that I didn't know what it meant. I had to go look it up on Google and see what it meant. I knew that didn't come from me. Um, I told them, Maybe, well, my oldest, she has vision. She can close her eyes and she can see something play in her mind. And so whatever it is, God wants to speak to you. But those are several different ways that we're showing our kids how God speaks. The problem in hearing him is deciding if we're willing to accept what he says. Mm. Because most of the time it's going to make us feel really uncomfortable. Makes us sweat. And you may not want to do it. And you may be like me, which we're going to tell our story. But Lord, if this is you, I need a neon sign. <laughs> Lord, if this is you, I'm going to need you to do this. I've done the, that in the grocery store. He, I felt led to pray with somebody. And I'd be like, well, if she's still here when I'm checking out, <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah, it was the devil Always. that wanted you to pray with her. It's definitely no, Lucifer. No, I had to get over myself. It made me feel really uncomfortable, and that's weird, right? But sometimes we just have to get over ourselves. And guess what? They're always still there. And if they're not still there, they're out in the parking lot. And then you have to do it. So that's God's voice. God's people hear God's voice. This is the biblical pattern. Yeah. And Noah... Y'all, Noah had never seen rain in his entire life. Did you know that? It had never rained on the earth in Noah's time. And so when God told him to build the ark, that rain was coming, he just obeyed because he knew God's voice. Abraham, God told him to leave his family and go to the land that he had promised. He didn't know where he was going. He had to completely put all of his faith and trust in him because why? He knew that God would show him because he was confident in his voice. Samuel would say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. 
He knew God wanted to speak, so he would hush and listen. David wrote Psalms out of conversations with God. The entire book of Psalms is through conversation with God. David's comfortable relationship that he had with God being confident in his voice didn't come from David. He knew that. It was God-breathed. Isaiah, here I am, Lord. Send me. Daniel, he stayed up all night waiting for God to speak because he knew that he would. Because if God didn't speak, he would have died. Because he needed to know what the king's vision meant. So he knew and he was confident that God was going to speak. Yeah. Esther risked her life before the king in order to save her nation of people. Because these people that I just spoke of, they expected God to speak. Some of you say, I don't think God speaks to me. Yes, he does. Most of us just don't know when he's speaking because we're not confident in his voice. But when God speaks, we obey. Typically, God doesn't tell us to do something new until we do what he already told us to do. Mm, kind of like your so children. Important. If they didn't already do what you already told them to do, you're not going to give them something new to do. No. Gabriel, I can give him one thing. Go brush your teeth. I can't say, go brush your teeth, go get your nightgown on and do this. That's too many. It's <laughs> too many. What? G Gabriel don't wear nightgowns for a while. <laughs> I said night clothes. Yeah. Night clothes. They know what I meant. Yeah, they did, but I, it was me that got called off guard. The point is, that's little Chris. You can give him one task and one task alone. You cannot give him more than one. And you know what? Some of you are the same way. God cannot give you more than one task. And typically, it's a test. Because if he can give you a simple task yeah. or a small task, and you're not faithful with what is small, oh, then how in the us. world will he be able to uh, trust you with something that's even bigger? Something that would take him to be able to do it. Mm. So we have to get confident in that voice. Listen, the, the more that you disobey that still small voice, the better you get at it. The more callous to that voice you become and the more you question. However, the opposite is true as well. The more you learn how to obey, the more confident you become that that was God. And then you see how he returns on his request and, and all of a sudden there's nothing that he can't ask you to do. We'll share more of that in a minute. Abraham stepped out. Abraham left his family. I couldn't help but think, this was in our devotional this past week, in week two. I couldn't help but think how many people God came to before he finally found a 70-year-old willing to do what he asked. Wow. How many people, how many, how many tribes, how many people in the land of Canaan, how, how, how many parents or grandparents or maybe brothers and sisters or how many people in the world did God come to? We don't know. All we know is when he came to Abraham, the 70 year old did what he said. Nobody else would. I don't know. 20 year old, no 30, no 40, no teenager. Who, who all God asked? We don't know. We just know that a 70 year old was willing to leave everything that he knew pick his family up, and he was never too old to start over. Come on, somebody. He was never too old to give up everything that he had worked so hard for. And I'm so grateful that he did. Yeah. 
And I think that Judeo-Christian belief system owes a debt of gratitude to Abraham's obedience. Listen, God's word is not multiple choice. When God Although speaks, you don't get... Sometimes. What, do I? Although I wish it was sometimes. Yeah, that'd be sweet, you know? Can we just pick C every time? Is there like a none of the above option, you know, up there? No, no, no. When God speaks, we don't get to say, hey, what else you got? Like, that one's really uncomfortable. No, no, no. We obey. That's what we do. We're hardwired for obedience. We are hard... God put it in us. It is hard for us to be... Have you ever noticed how difficult... It is when you become a child of God, when you confess Jesus as Lord, to ignore his voice, to to be comfortable in sin all of a sudden. Have you ever noticed how difficult it is to to not give, to not serve, to to not grow? Like you're you all of a sudden you have guilt that you've never had before, you have conviction that you've never had before. That's because it was hardwired into your creative DNA to be obedient to the Father's voice. There are predominantly 10 ways in Scripture that God speaks. We're going to go over four of them today. If you want more, I I really recommend Pastor Robert Morris's uh, teaching called Frequency. He talks about 10 different ways, dreams and visions and audible voice and experience and prophets and uh, et cetera. He gives all kinds of ways, Um, but we're going to talk about four of them today. Number one, the number one way God speaks is through his word, the Bible. And there are two words in the Greek that were used to describe his word. One was logos. Okay. This is number one, logos. That's, that's the written word. Okay. That's, that's like the genealogy of Jesus. It was written out for us. It's, it's the book of numbers. Help us, Lord. It's all the laws in, in the book of Leviticus. It's written. But, however, the Bible is the inspired word of God. That is the number one foundational truth of the assemblies of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is God breathed. Listen, no other book, no other opinion goes beside or alongside with God's word. The Bible is the absolute authority, no matter what anybody or doctrinal system may believe. The Word of God is the absolute. God breathed. It's, it's useful. It's useful for what? It's useful for teaching. That's why we sit and why we listen to people that have studied it and have time to do so or, or are paid for time to do so. It's good for rebuking. Who loves to be rebuked? Come on, somebody. Yeah, that's because we don't want coaches. We like cheerleaders. We want to be more comfortable not doing what God's telling us to. But rebuke is part of God's Word. And that's why a lot of people don't like reading it because it confronts us. And it challenges us. However, it also gives correction because rebuke without correction is condemnation. But when you're rebuked and then, and then this, is, this is what you're doing wrong, this is the way to do it correctly. That's correction. And then, thank God, he didn't just leave us there. All right, figure it out. No, no, no. The word of God is good for training in righteousness. So that what? So that the children of God, the men and women of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you know that doubting God's word is the oldest temptation known to man? The enemy came to the woman, and one of the first things that he said is, 
Did God really say that? When, here's what you need to understand this. When you question God's word, you are dealing with a demonic spirit because only demons disobey the word of God. When God speaks, we obey because we are his children. Did God really say that? Yes. He really said it. Was that really what he meant? Yes. It's really what he meant. The Bible is God speaking to me when, when I open this book or when I go into my devotional in my God or when I open up the YouVersion app. I am opening up the breath of God. It's God speaking to me. Everything we need is in this book. Can I give you some examples? Direction. How many of you need direction? You got a decision you need to make next week. You need clarity. You need direction. The Bible says integrity of the upright shall be their guide. The Bible says in Psalm 37, not in your notes, Psalm 37, the Lord directs the steps of the right. He orders the steps of the righteous. Thank God. Men make many plans, but God establishes them. I need the Lord to guide me. I need the Lord to order my steps. And I need the Lord to establish the steps that I take. That's all in his word. Hateful people. How many of you are around some hateful people throughout the week? If you didn't raise your hand, probably, never mind, could be. It's probably somebody else you know. It's probably not you. I mean, some of you, I'm looking at your face right now. You don't look nice. <laughs> Like you dressed up and you cleaned up, but your face does not speak. I love this message. Thank you so much for sharing with us the word of God. As Pastor Weston said a couple of weeks ago, sometimes we got to remind our face that we love Jesus. Either that or put another church's hat on. Come on, somebody like go buy some First Baptist or St. Thomas More merch and wear that around. I don't I'm just saying, if you're going to be ugly to people, don't wear New Hope. <laughs> don't put the sticker on your truck. You'll notice there's no New Hope sticker on Chris's truck, even though everybody knows what I drive. Hateful people. What do I do with hateful people? Well, you bless those who persecute you. You love your enemy. Bad news. Bad news. Psalms 112, verse 7. The righteous do not fear bad news. We don't fear bad news. Our faith is not in news. Our faith is in his book, not Facebook. Come on, somebody. That, I, we don't fear bad news. We trust in the Lord. He is the Lord our God, and he changeth not. Choosing friends. This is a big one. Choosing friends. 12 to 25-year-olds. The wise walk with the wise, but the companion of fools is destroyed. You may want to evaluate who you're hanging out with. Just a recommendation. What about anger? Anybody ever get irritated about things? I do. Proverbs 15.1. You don't return fire with fire. Why? Because the fire grows. The only time you return fire with fire is when you're dealing with a demon. But a soft answer turns away wrath. Here, look, this is so important. I need you to catch this. Um, you show me somebody who's confident in hearing from God, and I'll show you somebody that spends a lot of time in his word. You show me a church full of people that don't know how to hear God's voice on their own, and I'll show you a church full of people that never pick up this book. He speaks through his word. 
Logos, written word. It's not a waste of time that you would breathe the pneuma of God. Number two, he speaks through his rhema word, and this is where it becomes personal. Rhema is a revealed word. It's when you're reading through the book, the written. It's when you're reading through the written and something jumps off the page. Like when Megan was pregnant with Emery, and I read in my Bible, and she gave birth to a son, and it leapt off the page. Because I believed God in that season. Like, I'm not saying I couldn't have been a girl dad and found contentment in that alone. I could have. But the Lord gave me a word. So when we went to the appointment and the doctor said, hey, you're having a girl, I was like, check again. (laughs) And they were still right. And now, almost 11 years later, we have Emory Grace. But God gave me a word because he knew what I was about to hear. And he did not want me to rush and overlook the gift that is this baby girl. So he gave me a word. I'm going to give you a son, but you appreciate this child. You invest into her now and look forward to what I have for you. The Bible says in Acts chapter 11, verse 15, reading from the New King James Version, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning This is, I believe, the Apostle Peter. I need to double check. but And and the Bible says, then I remembered the word. That's rhema, revealed. God revealed what he had said to him. And that's exactly what I needed from God when we began to walk in this faith journey. It was, we started our faith journey in January during the fast because we knew that this initiative was coming and that we were going to be asking our church to give sacrificially. And so I knew that that was gonna start with us as your leaders, and that was scary. And so I began to seek the Lord and what I thought that the Lord wanted us to do versus what Chris felt like the Lord had us to do were two completely different things. What he thought the Lord wanted us to do made no sense. There's no way, like, it don't make no sense on paper. There's no way. It's impossible. You know. Me, I mean, I'm still sacrificial. Like, we can do this. You see, like, it all all adds up. In her defense, I have no idea what the name of our bank is right now. (laughs) They've changed it so many times, I don't even know. Like, I don't have the app. I don't have our login. I keep up with church finances. She does personal, so it it, it is a little bit more. He doesn't know what comes in and comes out, really. I mean, he really doesn't. So when he told me his idea, mm mm-mm. I told you, we'd live on the side of the road if it was up to him. So I had to like, you yeah, know, rein him in and we are, we are good for one another. I, don't, I can't give you all the details of what the faith journey looked like, but I can tell you that in this particular time where I was weighing out what he felt like God was, was leading him to do, which was scary, there was this theme of the Jordan River. And if you know anything about the Jordan River, it is every time the Israelites went to the Jordan, it was at flood stage. The Jordan is really like a ditch. Like sometimes you can just walk across it without a problem. But every time the Israelites got to the Jordan River, it was at flood stage. And it wasn't until they took a step in and waded into flood waters mm. for it to part. That's the story of the Jordan River. So this became an annoying theme, literally, y'all. 
I'd open up my U version, talking about the Jordan River. I'd turn on a podcast, talking about the Jordan River. We went to Miami on a trip, and somebody at the dinner table started talking about the Jordan River. I'm like, all right, did you tell them? I didn't tell them. Did I didn't say them? nothing. Uh, we, I watched a, a YouTube video of Joyce Myers for our child, and it started talking about the Jordan River. I was like, this is getting so annoying. Even though the speaker at Salty Talk during Momentum, she talked about the Jordan River. I looked at my sister-in-law <laughs> and I was like, because she knew, she knew the, what I was carrying at the time. So after all that, it was a Sunday, and every morning I usually wake up, get his coffee, get him something to eat, pray over him before he leaves. He leaves about 6.15 to head up here. And then I go back to bed. Because I have about an hour and a half before I have to be back up here. And, but this morning I was super spiritual and I stayed awake and I prayed. And I opened up my book that the Lord had led us to read, that it was my idea, and now I'm regretfully thinking that it was my idea, but I opened up the book, and what was it talking about? The Jordan River. How'd you know? <laughs> so I like slammed my book down in like just annoyed, and I said, Lord, is this really what you need us to do to be able to perform a financial miracle for our church? Really? And he said, no. And I was so relieved. I was like, ha. Can't wait till Christmas. And then I heard, but you do. So I was really uncomfortable at that time. And then I began to plead and remind the Lord of all the things that he's already asked us to do and how he has um, tested us in this area. You know, just in case he didn't remember, you know, when we deeded our land, sold a vehicle, Sometimes he forgets, emptied our bank you know? accounts and gave it to the church that we were at to pay off a building. Uh, just in case you forgot, I was just letting you know. And I heard him say, do it again. Hmm. Trust me again. And then he reminded me of a word that somebody had sent to us about a month prior or two months prior to this. And I couldn't even find it. I usually save words or things that people send me, I usually save it in my notes and my phone. And I had to go back in a text message and I had to go way back and I began to read it. And as I began to read it, I just began to weep because I knew that God was speaking through this word. She led me to Luke five, where they were fishing all night. The disciples had been fishing all night and Jesus came and they had not caught anything. And he said, cast your nets out into the deep. Well, what you must understand is you don't catch fish out in the deep with the net, okay? You catch it with a pole. You gotta go into the shallow. So it did not make any sense that he was telling them to take their nets out into the deep, that they needed to move, that they needed to go to the deep waters with their net. Mm. And so they said, but we've been doing this all night. And then finally they said, but if you say so, and this is the word that literally hit me in my chest, I'll let, my down, I'll let the nets down again. It was again. When I read again, that is when I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And that also right when I read it, peace came upon me where I did not have peace before. I was anxious, I was fearful, I was scared. It didn't make any sense, but then I had peace. And so I then started texting Chris 30 minutes before he's 
getting up to preach. I'm with you. We're doing this. Mm. Let's go. You know, he's like, go read that word that somebody sent us. He's like, babe, I'm preaching in like 30 minutes. I was like, (laughs) okay, I just want you to know I'm I'm on board, you know. And that's the, uh, this scripture here, that's the New Living Translation. What's interesting is when I was writing this message, this is the only version, it's the only translation that uses that phrase again. And that's the phrase that the prophecy came to us in that translation. Any other translation, and God would have said, do it again, and she wouldn't have read it this way. But God knew what she needed. He knew what we needed. He knows the rhema word, the revealed just to, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Well, how do you tell if it's the Holy Spirit or, or, your, or, or, or the devil trying to trick you or, or maybe you just had a bad burrito? Like, how do you tell the difference in what you're thinking? Well, when, when you, first of all, when you pursue God's presence, you can know it's God speaking. Hey, listen, a power and principality of darkness will not tell you to do things for the kingdom. They won't. They do not want the kingdom of God to be built. If you're not doing anything for the kingdom, they will leave you alone. But when you start, come on, have you ever noticed you start trying to follow Jesus? All of a sudden you're being attacked from angles you didn't even know existed? Yeah, that's because the devil is afraid of the potential that God put inside of you. He knows He knows what's gonna happen when you learn complete obedience in every area. And when you submit to the written and certainly the revealed word of God, you can have confidence. It's him, that's his voice. And when he speaks, we have to learn to obey. There's two more areas. Um, This one I'm gonna go through quickly. Uh, it's a little awkward because I am this person by vocation, but number three is God will speak to you through church leaders. I'm telling you, look, God has spoken to me so many times through church leaders. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with the, the preaching and seeding format. It just becomes a difficulty or, or, or a, a wall whenever we just become satisfied with that. And, and by the way, some people become satisfied with only being, only hearing it two or three times a month. Well, I just don't know why I can't hear from God. I do. Come talk. I will tell you. It's not hard. I can look at your calendar. I can look at your priorities. I can look at your schedule. And God has spoken to me and challenged me through church leaders. And by the way, not just like pastoral staff church leaders. I'm talking about there are people, group leaders, serve team, dream team, uh, senior saints, people in this church that have been praying and believing God for what we're seeing right now for the last 30 years. And, and they're not ready to stop watching the kingdom of God be built just because we've reached capacity in this facility. The Bible says that some are gifted. Some, not everybody, but some are gifted to be the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And everybody doesn't have all five. To be honest, I, to, to pastor people is, a, is self-sacrifice. It's a denial of self. She's really good at it. She enjoys it. I really like more of the apostolic flow where I just kind of lead leaders. You know, let's charge into the darkness and seize the demons. Like, ah! But that's... I'm having to learn 
to strengthen my strengths and work on my weaknesses. Why did Jesus give these gifts to the church? Why? Because it's there, the church response, the church leaders, it's their responsibilities to equip the saints. Yes, you are a saint. Un, unapologetically, you don't just pray to saints, you are one. That's biblical truth. That's why only the Word of God should have absolute authority. We are the saints of God. We are equipped. You know why America is not seeing the ministry that Asia and Africa are? Because we have way too many so-called children of God satisfied to pay other people to do ministry that God has called them to. Why do you think we're seeing so many people come? Because we have 300 plus people who are willing to serve and give and lead and disciple and not just ride along on the journey and take up space, but invest in the journey and be a part of what God wants to build. He goes on to say, this will actually cause us to grow and be built up as the church and the body of Christ. In verse 13, you see the word, and we'll mature in the Lord. Our, our faith will be united. And verse 14, we'll no longer be like a bunch of immature, spoiled brats. I mean, children, sorry. You won't just go to church thinking it's all about you. You'll be looking for an opportunity. You won't even go to work thinking it's all about you. You'll understand, verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love. Man, how can I be sure? How can I be sure that it's God talking? And this is where we're going to land today. Here's how you can know. You follow peace. I think apart from his word, this is the most tangible identifier that it is the voice of God speaking. No matter how crazy it sounds, you can follow peace. 1 Corinthians 14, says, for God is not the author of confusion, the enemy is. God is the God of peace. He's the Prince of peace. Colossians 3, 15 says this way, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And Philippians chapter four, verse six is not up here, but it says, hey, listen, be anxious for nothing. God cannot command you to be something that, uh, not to be something that, that he just expects you will be. He can't tell you to be something he doesn't want you to be. Okay, so be anxious for nothing. Instead, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. And then what happens? The peace that surpasses all understanding. It will, it will transcend your heart and your mind. There was a time in our ministry where we were just seeking the Lord on where He wanted us to go next, what our next step in ministry was. And we interviewed in Bentonville, Arkansas. And y'all, it was beautiful. So I fell in love with the town. Everything was perfect. The church seemed perfect. The building was amazing. The people were amazing. Everything just was The salary awesome. was amazing. You know, like we left going home. We were like, yeah, this is where we're going. This is where God's sending us. We were so excited. Pump. And the next morning we woke up and I felt like I had done something wrong. Like I had a pit in my stomach. I was like nauseous. I was like, oh my God, like, did I eat something bad? Like, what is going on? We never, like, we were quiet the whole day. Like we just like walked around. We didn't really talk about 
Because we wanted to go. Because we wanted, we didn't even talk about Bentonville. Like I could, we were just quiet. And then all of a sudden, I don't remember who said something first, but one of us said, "Do you feel like no peace?" And I said, "Yes, I have no peace." He's like, "Man, I guess we're not supposed to go there." Then we come to Eunice. We drive around the beautiful state of you, <laughs> beautiful city of Eunice. It doesn't look perfect. It have doesn't ever, seem perfect. Have you ever driven down Highway 13? <laughs> Exit off I-49 at Turkey Creek and gone, wow, this place is beautiful. Look at the trees, babe. Look at the trees. It's gorgeous. This is where we want to be. And then we drove around to the schools, and, and, and the, my kids were in a billion-dollar facility, you know, where we were at the time. So it was a little frightening. Like, this is where we're coming. This is where God's calling us. And, y'all, we were taking a pay cut to take on more responsibility. That made no sense. It made no sense. But guess what? We had complete peace yeah. about it. We had this perfect place, and it seemed perfect, and that's where we wanted to go. No peace. We, Eunice, it did not seem perfect at all. It didn't make a lick of sense, and we had perfect peace. That's how you know it's God, is when you're led by peace. Isaiah 55, verse 12, it says, For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. I, just so you understand the comparison, um, Sam Walton is from Rogers, Arkansas, like the Walmart corporate offices are in Rogers and Bentonville. There's so much economy taking place in that area of Northern Arkansas. And God said, go to Eunice. Thank you. So I didn't share this in first service. So about two years in, I was praying, God, I'm asking that you bring businesses into this place. I rebuke the spirit of poverty off of this community. I'm asking that you boost the economy. God, send resource, send people, send companies. And I still prayed that. And what I said was, God, build this city to support the church I know you want to build. And God stopped me. And he said, Chris, I am not building a city to support a church. I'm building a church to support a city. <laughs> but there's a difference in receiving a word and walking in it. There's a difference in reading scripture and then following it. And hear me, God's rhema word, a directional word, an instructional word, it will always make you uncomfortable. It will always call you out of your comfort zone and challenge the status quo of your life. Well, what if it's wrong? Then trust God to course correct you because sometimes God has to make you do this in order to get you to do this. If we'd have gone to Bentonville, I'd have had to have an audible voice and three angels drag me 
But because we went where God told us to go, we were prepared. We were ready. Sometimes God got to take you here so that you'll be obedient to even go there and stay or do the next thing. Listen, please don't mishear me. And I, and I know we're over our time, but guys, I'm not trying to manipulate you into giving up your money. Look, I, I've done an injustice here over the last seven years. I've been so careful about not offending people in regards to finances that I have built a church full of people that think it's okay to tip God when they get ready. Because we're not investing in what we say we believe. Like, it's measurable. I've looked now because I had to hire someone to come in and tell us we were, whether we would even be able to do this. And he's like, I don't know, I think so. It depends on how much your church gets behind it. I'm not trying to manipulate you, but I am responsible for what I challenge you and teach you. And if I'm teaching something to my children and I don't teach it to God's children because I'm scared of offending you, then I will stand before a holy God and give an account of why I let you off the hook of principles that we practice. All right. We knew that God would ask us to lead the way. So here's what we're asking you to do today, beginning today. We're not receiving an offering today. That's not what this is about. We actually already have, have done that, worship God with our giving. We're asking you over the next few weeks to ask God and do your best. That's it. Actually, for the rest of your life, we're asking you to ask God and do your best. What is our best? Well, I had a thought, she had a thought, we shared it with one another. We fasted and prayed. And we waited to see what God said. And what God told us in order to lead the way and confirmed it over about a week and a half was that the Lord wanted us to donate my salary back to the church this year. That's the best that we have. It's the best we can do. And it's scary. And we're going to do it afraid. And we started at the beginning of April. And we had $100 margin in our budget this month somehow. When you do math with Jesus, it don't make a lick of sense. <laughs> when you do math with Jesus, five plus two divided by 12 equals 20,000. That's who he is. And we're scared. You know who's not scared? Adeline, Emery, Gabriel. They're not scared. Yeah, but that's because they don't know. No, they know. They understand. They just trust us more than we trust Him. Isn't that silly? So for some of you, your best is that you learn how to give God the first dollar of every 10 that you earn. That's your best because you've never done that before. And that's going to stretch you. And it's scary because you know what you owe. You know your bills. But it's you learning how to trust God in this area and not keep what actually belongs to Him. For some of you, it's learning how to give above and beyond that. And then for some of you, God, you have the gift of giving and God's going to stretch you into places that you can't do. But He can. For some of you, this is not a financial issue, it's a heart issue. And when you ask God what he wants you to do, he says, I don't want your stuff, I want you. 
I want you. I didn't die for your stuff, I died for you. I didn't shed my blood so that you could write me a check. I did that because I want relationship with you. And when you ask God, God, what do you want from me? He's not saying anything else, I just want you. We'll, we'll deal with all the rest of this stuff later, but I want you. And your best to God is just that you truly surrender your life.